Okay, shall we get this show on the road? Let's do it. Welcome back to another episode of Here and There, the podcast of the Germanic American Institute. Today, we are reaching across the pond from St. Paul into the motherland, to Germany. We are collaborating for the first time ever on this podcast, and we have reached out to two Americans in Germany drinking whiskey. That really <laughs> is the name of their podcast. Alex and Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. It's, it's actually Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, good enough. Um, sorry, it's the whiskey. It's the whiskey speaking. We started early. That's what happens. Let's start with the most important questions. American in Americans in Germany drinking whiskey. Before yes. I even dive into why are you there and how did you get to whiskey, what are you drinking? So we are drinking. Uh, it's a German whiskey, which we found out there's actually a lot of German whiskeys. Uh, for those of you who do not know, yeah, it turns out there's actually more whiskey distilleries in Germany than there are in Scotland. So think about that. It's surprising. Unfortunately, most of them don't ship internationally, so that's why you really don't see them. It's a good uh, pub quiz. Pub quiz fact. Yeah, uh, but we're drinking Black Forest Wild whiskey, and it's. Uh, Probably from the Black Forest. I'm assuming it's from the Black right? Forest. I don't know. They didn't do much research on this one, but that's what we're drinking. Without turning you into absolute connoisseurs with uh, an educated opinion that stands the uh, Michelin Guide sort of test of time, how would you describe <laughs> what you're drinking right now? Oh, well, well, let me take a, one more sip. Still, it's a little <laughs> sipper. It's sweet. It, it's really flavorful. Flavorful. Yeah. Yeah. It's sweet, but with like a spiciness at the end. Mm -hmm. I would say a little fruity. Yeah. Not not too long of a burn. It's a pretty quick burn. It's pretty but, quick. But it has like the spiciness that I like. Kind of like a rum spiciness. In yeah. There. yeah. 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 Exactly. Is there an American it's got a nice dark color to it? It's yeah. Pretty. It's is there dark. an it's is there an American counterpart to this? Anything that you could compare to uh, in the U.S. Uh, shelves? Oy. Oh my! Um, it's maybe kind of got like a rye-ish flavor. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, actually, um, I would say, what's that one Canadian whiskey? Um, uh, at Pike Creek is it? Pike Creek. Oh yes. I think it kind of tastes like that. So it's a little Pike Creek German version of Pike Creek. It's a little creaky going on. Yeah. yeah. You're already throwing names around that I don't even. I don't even. Oh know yeah. Where these these aren't real whiskeys. We're just always oh, names whiskeys. <laughs> <laughs> Just so everyone knows, we are not whiskey experts. We, we weren't before we started our podcast. And no. We still are not. So. And we still are not. I, I think a lot of people think that we are, but we drink, you know, like a, a, a glass or three uh, every Wednesday when we, when we record. So it's not like, you know, we're drinking these whiskeys for a long time and know that, for, you know, you drink it one week and then the next one comes and then you kind of... And then eventually, like a couple months down the road, maybe you'll, you'll you know you drink a little bit again. Right. But, but yeah, the one day a week we actually drink whiskey is for the podcast. So we're not... We're not just, you know, for breakfast every day having a, having a scotch or anything like that. <laughs> On most days, yeah. <laughs> it does make recording a little bit easier. By the way, uh, the time of our recording here is 12.45 p.m. local time. So 
well into the evening for our German counterparts here, or American German counterparts here. And I think this is the first time I'm getting away with uh, drinking on a job. I'm having Bowman Brothers, um, Virginia Straits Bourbon, small batch. And Erin is uh, the one person that's responsible. Okay, fine. I'm going to go get one. Now I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we pressured her into it. Oh, man. Oh, I feel bad. I love it. But, but, but Gunta, I mean, it's afternoon, so technically it's lunchtime. So I think yeah, True. whiskey with lunch, that's I mean, totally fine. Yeah. We, we also have a nice selection of German beers here with us. Um, Oh, yeah, we've got North and South. What do you mean? We, we have North and South. I'm, I'm drinking a Berliner Kindle right here in the local brewery of Berlin. Yeah, and I'm drinking a, a Bayreuther, which um, I would assume is from Bavaria. And it is. So you are mixing and matching. But let me ask you the all-important question then, of course, that results from that. With uh, two Americans being in Germany, how did you even come up with the idea to just dive into whiskey and then, I suppose, talk about Germany and the idiosyncrasies compared to the U.S.? So how did, it, how did this come about? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question because actually I, I would say for people who've never heard our show, the whiskey portion is only accounts for maybe 10% of the right. of each episode. Like we focus more on um, expat experiences in Germany, traveling around Germany, um, you know, weird stories of living in Germany, that sort of thing. And the whiskey element is just kind of that extra, you know, the icing on the cake kind of a, kind of a deal. Yeah, so the idea popped up when we, when we were at a beer garden for uh, his girlfriend's birthday, actually. And we were just talking about how much we love living here and all the experiences that we've had. And at that point, I've been in Germany for around six and a half years and Jeff for, what, eight or nine? Eight. About, yeah. And uh, like, you guys should make a podcast about this. You both have good voices. You have good stories, you should do it. And we thought, all right, yeah, I guess we could, I don't know, maybe, whatever. We'll talk about it another time. And then we kind of mold the idea over for the next few weeks. But then we thought we kind of need, there's a lot of podcasts out there for people who want to move or people who have moved. So we thought we need, we need kind of like a, a little bit of a gimmick to make it a little bit different than the rest. So we said, let's just drink whiskey while we do it and get different bottles of whiskey every week. Little do we think about how expensive whiskey is. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a big mistake. Yeah. Um, a, a huge portion of our budget is the whiskey budget. Yeah. Like 80% of our budget is uh, whiskey. <laughs> yeah. I love it. But, but yeah. honestly, I'm, I'm really glad we have that element because it, it, it just adds an extra bit of fun to every episode. Yeah. Like, and also loosens you a bit too. It makes it easier to record and you add a little whiskey in you, you know? True. Be a little bit more honest, you know? Yeah. Yes. However, you guys have got to be the only ones that I have ever run into who can use whiskey as a business expense. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And that is true. That is true. We've also had some amazing uh, listeners who have sent us some bottles or, uh, or donate some money so we can get some whiskeys when, when we don't have a sponsor. So, um, yeah, we, we have some really fantastic listeners who have helped us out a lot because without them, we couldn't afford to, to record anymore. Sure. Yeah, but it's, it is amazing to have somebody that's just helping you drink, uh, like, delicious whiskey. <laughs> yes, yeah. basically, yeah. Let's um, do yeah. what one quick touchdown on the last uh, to join the circle of whiskey drinkers. Erin, what did you just grab? Yes. Okay. So this is what I found in my pantry. Uh, Basil Hayden's. Ooh, never done that. Kentucky um, Straight. It is from... Uh, it is a bourbon whiskey. It is from Frankfort, Kentucky. There you go. Oh, wow. Oh, Another little connection there. Combination, yeah. yeah. And uh, it says uh, it has a spicy finish. So 
I love a good spicy finish. I, I do love how your wine cellar includes whiskey. That's a, that's an amazing wine cellar. <laughs> I actually pulled this from our kitchen pantry, uh, the wine. <laughs> oh, uh, now the whiskey didn't make it all the way to the cellar? Okay, fair enough. I think it's because uh, my, my husband drinks it, so it's like it need, it's like next to the Cheerios. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have the two important things. Good breakfast. Yeah. Cheerios. Start, yeah, well, start, cheers. Yeah, start cheers. mixing it. Cheers. cheers. Very nice. It's nice to drink with people. Yeah. Thanks for having us, guys. So, gentlemen. You know, when, when I teach classes, I always try to somehow bring in some of the, the things that stand out to me. But having been in the U.S. for a little over 20 years now, 22 years almost to be exact, I think I may have lost a little bit of ground with how Germany and Austria and Switzerland have changed over the last two decades. When you just uh, reach into your little satchel of knowledge, what stands out immediately as uh, just a really significant difference between the U.S. and Germany these days. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's just so much intersexual to choose. <laughs> uh, you want to go first? Oh, God. Um, well, I guess kind of like you said, um, we've just been gone for a decade now. I've been here for almost eight years. So I feel like when I talk about the States, I'm talking from, from a perspective from like 2012, 2013. Sure. Uh, a lot, I mean, a lot has happened in the United States since I've been gone. And I feel like Germany's kind of, at least in my experience in the past few years, has kind of been more or less the same. It says, well, not like much has changed here. But um, it, it probably has. You just don't notice it. You just notice it because you're in it. I mean, for me, the, the biggest uh, difference that you see, even if you just visit for a week or your stay for a, a decade, um, is kind of just the cultural difference in terms of um, how people interact with you, you know, I mean, you know, living in the States, you can have a complete stranger walk up to you at any moment and start a conversation that'll last 20 minutes about like a really deep subject that with a person you never met. Whereas in Germany, people are much more standoffish. They stay to themselves. Um, they, if you were to like go up to a group of Germans and just start talking to them, they'd be wondering like, what, what is, what does he want? What is he selling? What's happening right now? They'd be much more on guard. Um, so I think that's the biggest difference is just how people in, interact or don't interact with, uh, you know, uh, people in public, I'd say. Yeah, I think that's definitely the biggest one. It, it, it's, it's noticeable immediately, like right off the plane mm -hmm. of just how different Germans are, uh, for better or for worse, just very different than Americans are. And I think there's definitely positives to it and also some negatives, especially sure. if you're a new person to the country it can be difficult to, you know, meet people and make friends because yeah. you think everyone hates you and doesn't want to talk to you, which could be true. I don't know. But. <laughs> I do believe no, there is, there's, there's quite some truth to that. We're a little more, let's just call it reserved. I'm not exactly sure that we're standoffish, I suppose. I mean, that must be the Germans, the Austrians, definitely not. <clears throat> um, <laughs> but uh, I wonder, you know, whether it really is more challenging to get to know us really really get to know us you know not just having this 20 minute 30 minute conversation uh, right. whereas yeah. i found uh, and that's my recollection if you will that once you truly get to know someone in germany that's almost you're included in the family versus yeah and I, very true yeah i think that's 100 correct we've talked about this on an episode before where we compared it to like germans kind of like a like an onion you have to peel back some layers you know and once you're like in the center, you are, like you said, your family. And 
it's it's hard to get through the layers and it takes some time which i think is nice because once like i have a lot of german friends like we will be friends forever you know that and it's i don't know how i know it but it's some kind of it's, it's a different feeling and i feel like in the states i had a lot of people who i knew were like friends but maybe weren't as close as say a lot of the german people that i know right that makes sense they were friends but wouldn't necessarily be there when you actually needed somebody right yeah i mean i would say maybe go as far to say germans have like a little bit of a a trust issues i think so they they want to see you more often see you you know see you multiple um events or dinners or whatever to really kind of like figure 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 you out you know and see do i trust this person like is he is are we compatible and they, they put more time into it before they really let you join their friend group whereas in, in the states it kind of happens immediately but it's not like you said not necessarily uh, a strong relationship happens quickly but not necessarily a strong relationship right. yeah. like it happens all the time at least when i was in college and things like that we meet people your best friends for two weeks and you're kind of like i don't we don't actually get along at all we have nothing in common why are we even friends and in germany it's like germans it's like the opposite it's we have nothing in common let's see what we have in common over some time and then maybe we'll build a fantastic relationship together yeah and, and i think the problem for a lot of expats especially coming from america is they don't know this so they come yeah. and they put in the you know the, the one-time meeting and they're like okay this person doesn't like me and they don't try again and then they're wondering why they they're having trouble making friends and they think that they say like things like oh but germans are rude or whatever which isn't true not true at all they, they just don't realize like that you have to you have to put in more of an effort to break through especially if you're an expat you know because um you know when you move to germany germans they have their friend groups already they have their careers you're the new you're the newcomer so you kind of have to you have to put in the effort i don't necessarily think they will right especially if you're speaking english and they are speaking more german right makes it even harder in berlin maybe not as big of a problem but uh, i'm assuming other places in germany it's a little more difficult you guys how did you learn german did you learn german like when you got there or before uh, you moved yeah um i learned well i thought <laughs> I thought, hey, I'm going to go to Germany. I'm not, I'm not going to take any classes before, you know. I'm going to learn it through integration. Um, and that, that didn't work in, like, even a little bit. Like, nothing. Um, so then I started going to classes um, twice a week after work for an hour and a half each day. And then practice with my friends, with my girlfriend. And um, that was difficult. I, I wish I would have had taken the time either before or when I first landed, when I had a few months without a job to do like an intensive course and get it done because it was over years where I got to a level where I can speak yeah. proficiently. And, um, and that was a lot of time that I kind of feel like I wasted because I, you know, after work, I had to go to German class instead of, you know, meeting people and experiencing the city more. Um, yeah, so there's a trade-off there, huh? Definitely trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I, I knew I had learned on my own a little bit in the States um, when I was, I can't remember, 16 or 17, I, I had an, um, an Austrian girlfriend, she's an exchange student. And so of course, you know, you want to like, do, you know, press a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. for that. Um, and she's from, uh, Klagenfurt, if, if you know where Klagenfurt is. I used to live there. Um, no, then there you go. Uh, so of course, like, you know, on the weekend, sometimes I, I bought like a German CD and kind of learned on my own, but I, you know, enough to you know, count to 20 and, you know, like, but, it, but it, even that is a nice foundation um, to start with. And then eventually when I was, I don't know, 21, I moved to Vienna for a few months 
just to take German courses, just as a, yeah, which Vienna is an awesome city, by the way. Um, I moved there for, for a few months just for fun, just to take some German classes, see, you know, see, see what Europe's all about. Um, and then eventually decided to stay. Um, but kind of the same as Alex, I went to German classes only for a few months. And then kind of my, you know, my cash reserves dwindled a bit. And, you know, I had to look for a job at this point. So then I kind of focused more on that. And then that was kind of my last formal, formal schooling. And all the other German learning I did was, yeah, over the years um, through work, just kind of, you know, you know, working with other Germans and hearing words and writing them down and going home and, you know, look at what, what they're talking about, looking that up and, and you know, mm-hmm. listening to CDs, that kind of a thing. But I wish, I wish I just sat down, took, you know, intensive courses for six months and just... Yeah, that would have been the best best idea. Just did so you, you chose the by far more challenging path, I would say, just really hoping that immersion is going to kick in and somehow yeah. you're going to head right. first Which dive into true. this. Yeah. So, and I think especially Berlin, it's just not right. a good way to do that. But did you come to understand Germans in the way that they met you and, and welcomed you to be perhaps different because you didn't speak uh, German to, let's say, some level of proficiency? Did you feel that they treat you differently as opposed to the people who came there as expats speaking German? Do you have any experience with that? I mean, any ideas? I, I, can, I can remember many, many times during my first year or so living in Germany when I, I'd go to a party or, or a dinner you know, with friends, meeting people, And the, the first question the Germans would ask would be, oh, how long have you lived in Germany? And if you, and, and if you say any time beyond six months, I know what you're going to say. They're very disappointed because you're obviously you're speaking English to them and they're, and they'll, they'll actually say, oh, really been here a year and you don't speak German? Like, German like a very kind of uh, a, little, a little judgy, a little judgy. They mean, um, maybe really judgy. And that, that's not everybody, but I encountered it many times. Um, to the point where people asked, you know, how long, how long have you been here? I just didn't, didn't want to answer. You almost wanted to lie and be like, oh, I just got here. Um, but yeah, but, uh, but, but there was also plenty of Germans who, who didn't, didn't care. You know, they were actually interested, like, oh, you're from, you're from the States, uh, you know, and they're interested in that. And they, they, you know, you meet them, they meet them that way because pe- they're people who like to travel and they're interested in that kind of thing. Yeah, I think I had more of that. I did have the people, of course, how long you've been here? Why, why don't you speak German yet? But I think for the most part, um, No, I think everyone was just, everyone, most people that I met in my first few months or yeah, months were actually super friendly and welcoming. And um, of course, a lot of them I'm not friends with anymore because, you know, things change in, in eight years. But uh, I had a really good experience because I, I knew the stereotype of people like, oh yeah, Germans are kind of mean and standoffish and maybe rude. And I didn't get that at all. And I was waiting to meet someone who was, <laughs> and I really didn't. I was like, these people are really like super nice actually. And I don't, I don't understand where the stereotype came from. Uh, and I still really don't, to be honest. Why Berlin? That was like my question. And I have to apologize. I've listened to, I think at this point, like 10 of your episodes. Um, but um, one thing I was wondering was, was why Berlin um, of all the, the places in Germany? Like, did you start out in Berlin or um, how did you get to that city in particular? Because I'm also, as Gunter knows and other people who've listened to the podcast, like, I'm obsessed with Berlin and I will talk about it all the time. Um, so, so here are my people. Tell me. <laughs> and, and I have never been to Berlin. So there's that too. Oh, wow. Oh, interesting. That's a crying shame. Uh, so, 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 yeah, go ahead. All right. So I have a pretty interesting uh, story of why I came to Berlin. 
And um, yeah, so before moving here, I've never been to Europe before or really anywhere. I really didn't travel much. I went to like Canada and like Mexico when I was like 10 years old, but I never really traveled at all. And I had a friend from college who was a year, a grade above me. And so my senior year of college, she was living in Berlin and I just graduated and me and my long-term girlfriend broke up and I was working at a pizza place with my parents, like not really doing what I wanted to be doing in my life. And she just kind of messaged me one night talking about how she just left the club at six in the morning and it was so early and her friends were making fun of her. I'm like, where, where are you? That sounds, that sounds crazy because where I'm from, like everything closes at one o'clock anyways. And she's like, oh yeah, I'm in Berlin. Like, oh yeah, Berlin, like that's Germany, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, 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 it's Germany, idiot. Um, you should totally come on over, uh, come, come move here with me. And uh, I was joking, I was like, yeah, ha, ha, find me a job. And I'm a kindergarten teacher, I graduated as one. And uh, she's like, there's plenty of kindergarten jobs here. And I was like, really? And she told me, yeah. And, it, and then, you know, I kind of thought about it for a day or two. Um, Cause like I said, I really wasn't where I wanted to be in life at the time. I was 22 years old, um, really no attachments to anything at that point. And um, yeah, so the next day I kind of talked to her again. I was like, you serious? Like, yeah, you can live with me. You get a three month visa. You don't have to worry about anything. Um, just to pay some rent. So I was like, all right. So I saved up money, as much money as I could, bought a one-way ticket for October 1st, 2013. And uh, yeah, saved my money for the summer and gotten up. Told my mom, I was like, Mom, by the way, I think I want to move <laughs> to Germany. And she looked at me in the eyes, which I didn't expect this because I come from a Jewish family and Jewish mothers a little bearing, overbearing sometimes. And she's like, I can see that happening. And I was like, All right, then I don't buy a ticket, seal of approval. And she did not know I was going to be staying here forever. But uh, yeah, I bought a one way ticket, found a job, and uh, yeah, here I am. So, uh, uh, Jeff, before we move on to you and, and your little uh, synopsis of how you actually ended up in Crazy Town, um, Alex, going with a tourist visa limited to 90 days and having a little bit of money saved up uh, very much has this sort of uh, adventure and vacation flavor. The switch yes. from a tourist visa to actually getting the permission to stay and work, uh, I think that is commonly the, the missing thread, if you will, the missing explanation for many people who mm. will eventually consider to do something similar. How did you go mm. about that? So I found a job in a kindergarten that was a 40-hour uh, contract. So it was a full-time job as a teacher of English in a bilingual environment. And so after the job, um, they had to sponsor me for a visa and I had to go to the what's now known as the Landesamt für Einwanderung, which is the immigration office. They changed the name to make it sound more nice because it's a really awful place. I mean, it is for everyone listening, it is a scary place, but you gotta get over it. If you're moving, like it's a scary place. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's how it's kind of like you're uh, how you earn your stripes to live here. And um, so they, they had to sponsor me and I had to go in there with my work contract, with my something called Anmeldung. For those who do not know, we're listening, it's like your registration to your apartment and a bunch of other documents that they showed me on the website and just hoped that they approved my visa. And luckily they did because I had a job that no German or European, mm. unless at the time you were from the UK could do because no one could be a native English speaker unless you're from a native English country. So for me, it worked out pretty nicely. And that was a visa for as long as my contract was, which was six months. And then I had a year contract, so I had a year visa, and then another six months contract, another six month visa until I had an 
in Germany, you get an unlimited contract up to two years. And then I got another like three year visa and then another two year and now I'm on a unlimited visa. So now I'm like here for, for good. Finally, got that a few months ago. Big deal. Got that permanent residency. Got that permanent residency, yeah. which is the best feeling. So similar to the American green card. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I so, I'm not right. a citizen. I can't vote, but I can be here forever. And I can also live outside of Germany for in the EU for like 12 months, I believe. Okay. If I want to. Jeff, memory lane. What's, oh, uh, how, how did lane. that all Good come Jeff. about? Yeah, I mean, I was a bit different than Alex because I was really into traveling before I, before I moved to, to Germany. And I, I couldn't even honestly tell you why, but when I was a teenager, I, I just had interest in Germany. So I, I like watched a lot of travel documentaries about Germany and Europe in general. And then when I graduated high school, um, I went on several really long backpacking trips through Europe, you know, one month, two month backpacking trips, fell, fell in love with it, fell in love with Germany, you know, went through Hamburg and uh, Munich and Berlin and everywhere. And um, yeah, and then eventually I was just like, okay, you, every year you go on a different backpacking trip, just, just try and live, just try and live there for a few months, see what happens, you know? So, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go do the language course in Vienna for, for a few months. And originally I was going to go to Munich, but found out um, how much it actually costs to live in Munich. And it's like, <laughs> okay, Vienna's actually just as nice and much cheaper. So at least at the time, I don't know what it is now. Um, so I moved to Vienna, which I, which I love. And yeah, I did the language course for a few months. And then eventually I was just like, yeah, I don't really want to go home. And I made a really, really rookie mistake where see how it is with the, yeah, with the, um, with the, with the American tourist visa, you can stay for 90 days, right? Um, I got confused. I, I didn't know it was 90 days in the EU. I thought it was 90 days uh, per country. Oh. <laughs> uh, I made a mistake there. That's a huge mistake. Yeah, do your research, guys. 26 um, countries so, later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be like a, that'd be a terrible yeah, deal I, for that. It sounds completely <laughs> stupid. I don't even know where my thinking was back then. But anyway, so I, stay, I stayed in Vienna, or, or uh, yeah, Vienna for a while. And then um, eventually I was like, uh, there's no jobs here. Like jobs for, for expats are not really overflowing in Austria. You know, it's a smaller country. And I really just met a, a guy at a party in Vienna from Berlin. And he said, come to Germany. It's much bigger than there's plenty of jobs for expats in Berlin. Just check it out. And I'd never been to Berlin before. And, but I was like, sounds good. So I moved there and I was there for a few months until I found out the actual the reality of the tourist visa uh which really crushed me because i wanted to stay i wanted to get a job but i thought okay there's no way they're going to give me a visa if i haven't if i've overstayed my tourist visa. just and I, I really i tried everything i i i even I, I one day when my dad was visiting me i sent him to a local police station just to ask them <laughs> because i was afraid to ask myself because i was afraid if i asked myself and you know, i'm admitting a crime they just get arrested lock me up yeah um and, but eventually I realized, okay, it's, it's, this is no good, but you know what? I'm going to go back to the U S reset everything, save up money for a year and then come back to Berlin proper after I do my, the good research, save up the money, you know, do things right. So I ended up moving back to left all my stuff in a somebody's cellar in Berlin, moved back to the States for about a year and a half, I think. And then officially, officially moved to Berlin in uh, yeah May, 2011. And here we go. Still here. Yes. Yeah. Eventually found work. And, wow. There you go. What a journey. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's wild to think back about it because, you know, 
we've talked about this a bunch in the podcast and some people ask us when we meet them for new, but like, it is really bizarre after such a long time where, where you move to feels like really home and thinking about those stories before, like, would I make that decision nowadays? I don't think I would have, to be honest, mm. but I did at that point because it's the perfect time and place. I don't know. It's weird thinking about it. And you're at that age where it's like, it's like, this is the time. If you're going to do something like this, this is the time. True. And there was no plan to do that or to stay in to Germany for 10 years. No, no it was just, it was, you were just thinking like one step at a time. Like, okay, let's try Vienna. Oh, okay. Let's very very short-term plans. And even when I moved officially to Berlin, I, I wasn't planning on staying long. I was just like, you know, I really just want to try it out for a year or two. That was my plan. Let's do a year or two, see if I can make things happen. Um, and I don't know, just, yeah, it, time I, goes by. And then I plan 100% just to move. I, I don't really think about like how long I just yeah. move and see what, <laughs> see what happens. So what, what, what is home now? Is home Germany? Is home the U.S.? Uh, how do you feel? Ooh, that's a, it. Depends who I'm talking to. I'm talking to my mom. It's in the States. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a very complicated question. I think, I think kind of also a philosophical question. Um, Absolutely. Home, I, I feel home here because I've spent all of my adult life here. And my girlfriend is here and I have an apartment here. And like this, is, this feels like home now. And it comes to the point when I do go back to the States, I almost feel like a tourist And that's a bizarre feeling. Like in my own hometown, I see things have changed and I don't really recognize as much anymore. And also like when I go to dinner and like the waiter waitress comes over and asks me, how's my food? I'm like, what? Can you not ask me this? You know, I'm at dinner or I ask for like a, to card you for anything. All these things feel now foreign to me. And um, unless I'm like in my childhood home, then it feels like like a warm yeah. blanket. You know, it feels like yeah. a really like a nice, tight, warm blanket. But I'm also very excited when I come back to Berlin again. So I don't, I don't, here is home, but it's, 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 it's a complicated question. Oh, it's such yeah. a tough I mean, question. It yeah. really is. For, for me, it's just, I have two homes now. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Like the U.S. will always be my home because I mean, it's where it has to be. I spent my entire childhood. Like the U.S. culture is what, what I grew up on. You know what I mean? So like so much of me is that. But then you also have the past 10 years of living in Germany. So I have a mix of that as well. So Which is like, like a third of your life. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, I'm the same as you is when I, when I fly back to Germany from visiting States, like that is going home because I mean, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's where my actual house is. That's where my house is. That's where my girlfriend is. That's where every day. Yeah. That's where my job is. That's where everything. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like I have both those things going on where I arrive in the States and it almost feels like you never left. Like, Oh wow. Yeah. Like, Yeah, back in California, back with my parents. But then there's also that same thing where you ride around and everything feels a little off just because you're not used to it. It's, it's kind of like a dream. You don't want to dream where like something's familiar, but it seems really different at the same time. That's kind of the feeling, but in reality. And it's very hard to explain that. In the first few years, I didn't feel that way. But now after so much time, it definitely, it gets weirder and weirder every single time. It's, yeah. Would you ever consider moving back for good? Me, I... I mean, consider, I consider anything, but um, I will probably not move back. I think the, the quality of life that I have here, I really enjoy. And I think that kind of the culture of the culture of the city really vibes with who I am as a person. And I haven't found that anywhere else in the world, really. And um, yeah, this is definitely where I'm going to be probably until I'm dead. But again, who knows? Like, we never know what's going to happen in the future.
Plus, he, he recently bought a house, so he's probably here for a while. Yeah, or an apartment, not a house. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I know, I did, I made, I, condo. I, I, do a, I do a very long contract where I'm legally bound to pay for a very long time. For like 30 years or something. Yeah, whatever. yeah and you have to pay your own agent, right? Uh, as opposed to the U.S. where the agent is actually bought, uh, paid basically by the seller, if you will. In True, but Germany, we were you have lucky to pay had no agent. We were oh. lucky to have no agent. So, yeah, we were, we were very lucky because we... Uh, it was a brand new building. We got an email on newsletter and reserved it. So we got very lucky with that. But yeah, that is a thing in Germany to pay your own agent. And we looked up if we did have an agent, how much it would have cost. And it's astronomical. It's stupid. I don't understand it. That's not my job. I don't, I don't choose an agent. Why should I pay for you? But uh, we were lucky not to have one this time. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just to uh, fill our US listening and uh, educated audience in the difference between the US and Germany and Austrian real estate is really that you have your buyer or seller's uh, representative agent. And usually the agent for the buyer gets essentially a commission split by the seller's agent. In Germany and Austria, it's inherently different. The seller pays their agent, the buyer pays their agent. Each one comes out of their own pocket, which can get costly pretty quickly. A lot. And it's a pretty mm -hmm. large percentage as well. So if you're getting a really big place, really expensive place, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you. Yeah. I mean, it's great if you're an agent, though. If you're an agent, it's fantastic. It Jeff, agent. moving back, ever a thought? Um, complicated. I'll, I'll say this. <laughs> I have no plans to move back, but I also have no plans not to move back. Oh. Um, that's <laughs> very, only, very that's committed. Only, that's the only <laughs> way I can things like, say something was saying nothing. Things, I, I never had the plan to be here as long as I have been here. So I um, it's comp it's comp because I can't imagine never moving back. Because I, the, the, I mean, the biggest thing uh, for anyone who wants to be an expat is that is the missing your family and your friends and yes. having no contact with them and only seeing them once a year or with Corona and once every two years. Um, it's, that's that's pretty hard, and over time it gets a little bit harder, you know. Um, Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I I would like to I would like to say I, I want to move back at some point, but I currently I have no plans to do so. So I'd say for the for the foreseeable future, for the next for few years, absolutely, I'm still here. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe I will live here my whole life, but I, I think I would like to move back at some point. I mentioned when I met my girlfriend, I think when the first few weeks of dating, I, I let her know. I was like, just so you know, it's, I don't plan on staying here forever just to keep the door open just in case, you know, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I've, I've very much just seen what happens. I don't, but again, I have my house here. I have my friends, yeah. my girlfriend here, my job, my work is here. Um, this guy's I, here. But this I, guy's I, here. Yeah, Alex is here. Your yeah, podcast. But podcast. I, I, I would be fine. I'd be <laughs> fine moving back. Um, there are plenty of things I miss about the U.S., but I also have a great time here in Berlin. So uh, that's tough. Yeah, that's I, tough. I, I think for your listeners who are listening, um, I'm assuming a lot of them hope for like kind of a black and white answer for a lot of these questions. But there, there, there's, there, there's everything is like everything's gray all the time. Not just like the Berlin weather, but like for a lot of these questions because they're. It's just everything's complicated. Everything's more complicated when you move to another country, um, and there's, there's a lot of emotions pulling you in, yeah, in, in both directions, and it's hard to find out uh, which which pull is stronger. I guess, yeah, yeah absolutely. Erin, would you move back to Berlin? I would, yeah. I mean, now it's like I have a whole I have a whole bunch of stuff. I have to get rid of like a lot of stuff. <laughs> you know, like you got like a big house in America, and like somehow you fill it with all kinds of stuff. So yeah. I, 
don't even know like the 20 packs of paper towels and uh all the toys and whatever but um yeah i definitely miss it um i miss uh the the art scene in berlin i miss my friends um i miss not driving i like don't like driving yeah. personally even in minnesota like driving's okay but like i sometimes like i'm not paying attention so i'd like to just like chill out on like the tram or, or just not, like not driving is amazing that's actually a really good point because i think the thing that would hit me the hardest moving back to the states would be a having to own a car and be de being dependent on it yeah because living in berlin uh, i take a train or cycle actually cycle most everywhere and I'm, I'm i don't have to wait for anything i don't have to pay insurance i don't have to buy gas i don't and the worst thing is in berlin you, every time you come home spending half an hour every day trying to find a parking spot near your house whereas if you have a bike or you take the tram whatever you just you're just home you know so that would be tough having to, to drive everywhere. I, yeah. I didn't used to it, but it would be I, I also started reading more when I came to Berlin because my, my commute to work, I can just sit down and read a book as opposed to, you know, driving a driving a hunk of metal. Like, All right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I, I used to be a big driver too. I'm so happy not to drive. I, mean, I do I do listen to podcasts uh, like this one and, and here and there, but um, <laughs> yeah, if I could find a job. And now that the, they don't call it the Ausländerbehörde anymore, uh, it sounds much more welcoming. Right. Is, they're, they're actually a lot nicer too they speak some english there too now it's it's, it's a better experience yeah. the, the 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 most bizarre thing ever was the last time about a year ago i went to renew my visa and when i walked in the woman in english said english or german which blew me away because oh. they have never asked that before in the five other times over the years i've been they, they go straight into german and they will refuse to speak english but now i think they're they've changed they're trying to actually believe it or not be welcoming to to new people um, so yeah, so like things are changing guys. So this is probably the best time to, to move over because it's probably the easiest it's ever been in terms of like the interaction at the uh, immigration office. Yeah. It's just paint the building though. It's, it's still, very, it's, I don't know if it was when you were living here, but it's still a very dark, gray, uh, brutalist, scary looking building. Yeah, it looks like a, like a Stasi prison or something from the outside. <laughs> it did, it was like, you like took a breath before you entered. You're like, <laughs> here we go, here we go. <laughs> Well, it's not much different with the American immigration uh, or now the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You did mention the the ease of of getting from A to B by just simply hopping on a tram or using your bike, and then conversely, Aaron doesn't want to drive, doesn't like to drive. This sounds like a little more of a stressful experience here in the U.S., driving, being dependent on your car, absolutely having to have one. Perhaps it's offset by not having to cruise the same building for 30 minutes to finally find a spot that you can somewhat squeeze into. But yeah. either way, I think those two things are bring about stress, right? Mm -hmm. They stress yeah. you out. But how would you compare with your American experience uh, and the German experience, stress versus stress? What is stressful in Germany? What is stressful in the US for you guys? That's a fun question. We can, I'll bring up the big one that we actually mentioned the other day. Like when you live, this, isn't, this probably isn't just Germany, it's any, anywhere you're living abroad, you have the constant, or you have the, you're always reminded of the fact that they do not have to let you be here. Like <laughs> at any moment you could be deported or removed or, you know, like, like you, you're exist, like when you, when you back in the States where you are a citizen, 
you don't have to worry about anything. Like, you know, like there's nowhere for them to send me. I have to be, you know, but in Germany, it's like, you worry. It's like, even you commit one crime, you know, that they can choose. Oh, well, we're going to, you know, cancel his visa or you get, you know, any little thing you feel like, Oh, if I do this paperwork wrong, I'm out of here. Like, you know, or, you know, you're always constantly, even though it's kind of like an irrational fear uh, because, you know, they don't kick you out easily like that, but it's kind of like over, always over your head where you're worried. Like this is not, uh, technically a permanent like you have a permanent residency but it's not technically a permanent existence you know like right when's the other shoe gonna drop kind of feeling you know yeah that, that, that's true and um i mean yeah even with residency you still have this is always in the back of my head like what if what if what if i don't know i'm falsely accused of murder so my i don't know i don't know that was the worst case scenario well, i know it's I ridiculous think you might have bigger problems if that's true. Falsely accused. all right well maybe something smaller like <laughs> a fake bond ticket or something i don't yeah. know Oh, oh yeah, but okay, I, I experienced that, but yeah, okay. But I, I think stress as well is uh, in Germany, especially. Um, I find a lot of things less stressful, even though it's in a different language. But especially like the work-life balance, I find here is incredible. How at five o'clock I'm out of work, and work can technically legally not even contact me, or at least I don't have to legally respond to them. And I know I can kind of you know just relax and do my thing. And nine to five means nine to five. And in the States, it wasn't really like that. People kind of put pride into working long hours. And Germans are really prideful of like being done at five o'clock and enjoying their free time and having, you know, a beer after work. I mean, there's a word for it in German, uh, for, for your listeners don't know, there's a word for German uh, for after work that's called Feierabend, which translates to party evening. And so after work, you know, hey, schön Feierabend, like have a beautiful party evening. Like, thanks, man, I will. Even though your party evening is sitting at home watching Netflix. Hey, but that's my evening, yeah. and it's, that's my time. And yeah. I know when I'm done, that belongs to me. And I find that super special. And I, I love how very strict they are on that. True. But I would say it depends on what, like, in my job, well, it, no, the work never ends. So it's like, it's, yeah. it's different. But yeah, so it depends on what you do. For a 40-hour normal work job, then yeah. So, yeah. But I, I think that, that that's a good point, though. Like, that they do really respect that kind of, Okay, no work calls after a certain time, no emails, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So 40 hours a week, uh, then six weeks vacation or five respectively. Uh, mm-hmm. Are we still doing the 13, 14 salary thing per year? What is that? Oh, you don't. Well, let me make you a little more jealous uh, coming from the Austrian perspective. And I'm not exactly sure if this still holds a lot of water, but I do believe it still does in some industries. Uh, it, at least given the job postings that I'm seeing, that uh, we get paid once a month. You probably do as well. Yeah. And then, depending on the organization, we have a 13th or a 14th salary. So if it's okay. 13, then it's usually at the end of November, beginning of December, basically Weihnachtsgeld, so Christmas money. And if ah, uh, like the organization... Yes, it's exactly. It's like a bonus. And if the organization offers 14 salaries, then you have the Christmas bonus, so das Weihnachtsgeld, und dann ein Urlaubsgeld, the vacation money, which usually comes uh, at the yes. beginning of summer. Yeah, I know that, I think that does exist, but uh, I work at a private kindergarten, and that's not really a money flow uh, <laughs> <laughs> job, so we're not really getting many, many bonuses, <laughs> but I do get, uh, yeah, I do get, um, yeah, six weeks holiday, yeah, so that's that's nice. That's yeah, that's nice. by American standards, absolutely crazy, right? Six weeks of yeah. vacation—that's yeah. just and, unheard and of. paid holiday. 
that's I think that's the biggest thing too. It's not unpaid, it's 100 percent paid, which is awesome. And that, that blew my mind. And also sick days too blew my mind as well. Uh, the first time I was sick here, my colleagues like, hey, take the day off, you know, call in sick. I was like, yeah, but like, I'm fine. Like, no, no, like you're sick. Don't come in. Don't get me sick. Don't get the kids sick. But I was you know, stressing out about it. It's like, go home. You're getting paid. Really, don't worry about it. And uh, that was kind of the moment I realized, like, oh, okay, things, the work, um, uh, what's it called? The workers' rights here are really, really solid. Did you but feel any pressure? Days, you, you, Did you feel sorry. any pressure to come back as fast as possible? <laughs> I, I think my Americanness in me wanted to. But um, if I came back one time and I was still a bit like sniffly, and they're like, go home. <laughs> like, all right, then why are you here? Why are you here? Um, yes, yeah, so I find that really like that, that really blew my mind at first. Unfortunately, I'm not that sick, so I can't take advantage of it. <laughs> Jeff, what, you blew, what blew your mind? About, about, about Germany, you mean? About Germany, yeah. Oh, God. That's just, that's just, there's just so much. It's so hard to pick one thing. Oh man, lots of mind blowers. Lots of mind blowers. Um, God, there's 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 also there's also just like really small basic things that will blow your mind. And I mean, just uh, being able to drink in public will yeah. really blow your mind, especially when you're younger. Will blow your. I mean, things like we there's such a. Which it sounds like an insignificant thing, but there's such a huge culture here of. I mean, on a nice day, what do you do? Like you go to the park and you go to Shvati and you grab some beers with your friends and you go drink at the park which sounds like such a natural thing. And it actually bums me out to, to know that in the U.S. you can't do that because <laughs> it seems like why can't a grown adult go have some, uh, uh, you know, some wine in the park? Like, or like you, on your way to a movie, like, hey, it's a 10 minute walk to the movie. Let's have a beer on the way. That's nice. Why not? Yeah, I mean, they have, a, they have foos pills. That's what they have, they have words for. Like, they have words for these things. Like, uh, Vegbia. Yeah, Vegbia. Yeah, so I, I think, I, I think yeah, the, the thing, a lot about the drinking, even, God, when I was 18 and I came to Germany for the first time, <laughs> And I realized there's a thing called a beer garden. I you know, flipped <laughs> out. Like, I mean, which sounds like such a basic thing, but yeah, there's always this is the, the, the drinking culture is very different, especially if you live in a Bavaria. Oh my God. I mean, um, uh, I remember you'd, you'd go out on Wednesdays just, and just have a beer at lunch just because, like, oh, it's hump, it's hump day. It's, you know, it's Mitchell, you know, um, or they, they'd give you time off to go to Oktoberfest. Uh, like, oh, no, go ahead and go to Oktoberfest. You know, you come back in the evening, you know. Yeah, it's it, 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 on that vein. Um, of what's kind of weird is I feel much as as a personal human, I feel, I feel much more free. I feel a lot more freedom living in Germany than I did in the States. But that could be a Berlin thing. Maybe Which could be a, Berlin in a thing. small German village might be different. Yeah. It could be, but I definitely feel like um, I'm not as policed here, which you wouldn't expect, I think, from like the stereotypes of like land of the free and like. Germany, the former Stasi country, you know, but I definitely do feel way more uh, personal freedoms here. Mm. You know what? What really stands out to me is just your your enthusiasm. It's it's even though we are separated by thousands upon thousands of miles and and a Zoom connection, it's <laughs> I feel it and it makes me incredibly happy. But my question then also would be. Does the perhaps German perspective uh, of the U.S. damper your enthusiasm a little bit? Um, also depends when. I mean, um, I think uh, up until this last January, the German perspective was uh, <laughs> was, was different than it is now. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I, it, it also it also was. I, I remember back in 
2005, first time I was here. It was also under the, the Bush era, you know, freshly in Iraq. Um, you know, you you were given a lot of questions by Germans, you know, asking, but basically trying to ask ask you to um, explain yourself, even though it's like, oh no, I didn't I didn't invade Iraq. I wasn't yeah. I, was, I wasn't even you know. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, under Trump, uh, definitely the view of Americans got very very low and, and it, it does affect their view of you as well like when they when they meet you and they find out you're an american i feel like you it's then you'd kind of have a tiny uphill battle to prove no i am not the kind of whatever the image is in your head that you are upset with like that's not me yeah. um so you, you kind of start at a low place and kind of have to prove yourself um but it's a nice it's a nice little challenge like it's not that you know yeah, I, I don't feel like it affected me too much because like, like you said, I am very passionate about living here and I, I want, I'm trying to like germify myself as much as I can. Like I want to be, I want to be, you know, one of, one of the Germans. Um, but at the same time, Germans I've noticed are just very, generally very intelligent people. They know a lot of what's happening around the world. Yeah. And so they don't really look at things in a black and white perspective. They see things have nuance. And I found that when I meet people, it's more of an interest of like, what does your family think of this? What do your friends think of this? As opposed to you are like this, your country's like this. Uh, it's terrible. I mean, you do get that as well. Cause sometimes I think that too, to be fair. Uh, I still love the United States. Of course I do. But sometimes I'm like, just like, what are you doing? Um, but I, I do think that Germans, because they are very, just a very well-educated people, um, stereotypes don't really fall as hard on them. It depends who you're talking to. It. Okay. I guess it always depends who you're talking to, of course, which is in my experience, at least. Let's see. I don't listen to, like, but Gunter has, like, amusing questions. Um, I'm just, I'm just say, like, rolling with the whiskey, one of the, right? <laughs> um, Yeah, I think one of the things that I appreciate a lot about your podcast is, um, you, you know, you have a lot of practical advice for people who are expats, um, but you also have uh, amazing observations, I feel like, for that bring back all kinds of memories from when I lived there. Like, I feel like in one episode I listened to, you were kind of riffing on like bathrooms and like how bathrooms are like. <laughs> we do a lot of bathroom stuff. Yeah. How <laughs> they're like constructed and like there's etiquette. And I just feel like um, it's so unique and refreshing to like hear that on a podcast. Cause like I feel like nothing. <laughs> Nothing you've said has been like wrong. Um, and then there's something you, there's, it's funny because a couple of weeks ago I wrote this and I wrote pants. Cause I was like, I felt like my American guy friends in Germany were like, we can't find pants. We like don't understand the pants. And then like you guys were talking about pants like last week or something. So yeah, I yeah, feel yeah, like, so I feel like from like, uh, you know, these big picture questions down to these like, like literally what is like the stuff in your daily life um, are so insightful on your show. And, and you, they're also pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. But, um, thank you. I mean, it, it all, yeah. it all, the big and small hits you daily. So like, it's impossible <laughs> not to talk about it all. Right. And also like after 70 something episodes, you know, you start off with the big things and then we need more ideas. <laughs> we get it smaller and smaller. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to ask actually, so, this was that was a really long intro to like I want to ask you about some small things um what sure. is like iPhone etiquette like so like when I lived there it was pre-smartphones like uh, you okay. like sent mm. like you know texts on your phone with like the numbers <laughs> like they were yeah. like little Nokia phones little T9s um, or half an hour one sentence yeah right you're like 
I can't. Why is this German word so long? Like, oh, oh true. German in T9 sounds awful. Right? So bad. Out how to out on your own Nokia old oh, flip flip phone. Yeah. So bad. But yeah, what is like the phone culture like? Because I feel like, is it rude to take out your phone when you're like out with your friends, or um, is are people like WhatsApping? Are they iMessaging? I also feel like no one would call me because it costs like Guthaben. Like, mm, is it true. still like that? Like, do your friends like not call you? <laughs> I mean, I guess with WhatsApp now, people a lot of times call through WhatsApp because it's, you know, through data, sure. through Wi-Fi. Yeah. But definitely WhatsApp is way bigger. iMessage is, I've never seen anyone use anything except for WhatsApp and maybe Signal and sometimes Telegram. Yeah. Um, but I also think the etiquette is, this can also just be because I'm older now when I was younger in the States, people are on their phones all the time. But I know when I went to dinner, when we're out, like, Every once in a while, maybe someone might look at their phone, but usually they're kind of in the pockets, in the bag, under the table, and you just hang out with each other. And then mm-hmm. you send all the photos. I mean, for photos, yeah. Then then you send some photos to each other. But yeah, I'll be honest. I noticed it more that, at least for me, what's common is at dinner or wherever, everybody actually, they put their phone on the table. Like, I, I think you do it as well. Like, everybody puts their phone on the table in front of them, like next to their glass. And, and they don't really necessarily touch it, but it's there. And I think for a lot of people, at least for me, because because it sits in my back pocket, and, I, I've, and when I sit on it, it just feels uncomfortable, and I have nowhere else to put it. So I, but so I don't like putting it on the table. But but, but yeah, you 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 will see people eating, and there's like five phones on the table, and of course you'll all the time see um, like five twenty year olds out to brunch, and every single one of them's on their phone. But yeah, I know the other younger people um, are definitely on their phone more often. But I think the people I don't know. I, I honestly, it's hard to say because I, like I, said, I, have, I haven't been in the States in three years now, to be honest, because of COVID. So it's, it's been uh, kind of difficult to compare at this point, but at least people I know, uh, phones usually away. I just want to point out, your phone's on the table, mine's in my pocket. I'm just saying. Okay, but normally we're podcasting, your phone's on the table, mine's in my pocket. What's well, the time run? Yeah. Also, um, one more little question. Do you still have landlines? Because like everyone in America is like getting rid of their landline. Do you have a landline? I never had one. I, I never had one. Yeah. I know my girlfriend's parents do. I think, yeah, they have one, but um, I don't think anyone under the age of like 50 or 60 have one. It's just like an added cost. I didn't say 40. Need. Yeah. It's just an added cost you don't need. I mean, my even my dad who loved this landline, he got rid of it five years ago because he was like, why am I paying for this and my cell phone? Yeah, I think the big thing is just trying to get a cell phone plan with, with as much data. No one pays attention to minutes or SMS. It's just like, if you have data... You have WhatsApp, you're, you're good for a while. Sure. Yeah. Public Wi-Fi. Is that, is that available in Germany or is it locked down? In the U.S., obviously, you go to Starbucks, McDonald's, drive throughs what have you. There's Wi-Fi basically everywhere. Uh, is mean, it, it's, how is it? It's getting there, but it still kind of feels like 2007 vibes. It's, it's hit or miss. I mean, also a lot of places you go, they'll have Wi-Fi, but you have to order something in order to get the, the Wi-Fi password. You know, it's a lot of times it's actually, it's actually on the bottom of the receipt. So like you have to buy the coffee or the beer. Um, but yeah, it's, I'd say it's more on the rarer side that you're going to go to a place and there's just free Wi-Fi for you to easily connect to. Um, definitely. Yeah. It's definitely way more rare. And also there's not as many, you know, Starbucks around, which I like. It's a lot of small coffee shops. They might have their own little Wi-Fi, but um so I, I've been to a few coffee shops that don't allow you to bring even laptops, actually. So I found that kind of interesting, too. Yeah. Well, and actually yeah. There's a, there's Our coffee culture is, is, is uh, stronger, I would say. Yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah, you come here, drink coffee, talk to your friends. Uh, don't, like, 
I saw a few signs like signs like please do not bring a laptop. If you have a laptop, you will get kicked out of the out of the cafe. And yeah. I, as an American, I was like, is that the point of cafes to be in your laptop? But there's also in Berlin, there's also a lot of coffee shops that are purely for that. Just as a freelancer, knowing a lot of it's like one or the other. Yeah, there's some there's some cafe shops to go to, and every person's on their laptop and they're uh, you know web developing their website or whatever, and they're fine as long as you order one thing they'll let you sit there all day basically. Especially in the areas, especially like in Berlin, where a lot of the startups are, you'll see a lot of these yeah. cafes, all the startup people uh, doing their startup things. You know, <laughs> one, one of the things that I remember still is, uh, my God, it was about twenty fifteen. I want to say I was back home in Vienna. And met up with my dad, who had some errand to run. We met up at a coffee shop, and I do the typical American thing. I order the coffee, and we sit down. We get served in the typical Viennese way. And the next thing you know is I'm just whipping out plastic. And that got me exactly nowhere. I got sort of uh, a raised eyebrow as in, what is this? Uh, Where's the cash? Uh, right. Cash or plastic? What's it like right now? Oh, uh, I'll tell you, Germany in terms of payments is stuck in 1984. I mean, um, they they hate cards. They want their cash. It's all, it's only started changing recently because of COVID, and they didn't want to touch the cash. So they so actually, I saw shops here suddenly that suddenly they had a card terminal. But again, it was just because of Corona. Yeah. Um, but. Um, it's that that has been a huge problem the entire time I've lived here. I mean, you'll go to nice restaurants, you know, 30 euro per person. And when you pull out a card, they look at you like you're crazy. And it's like, but the bill's 90. How am I going to pay? <laughs> and they make you go walk in the snow uh, to the nearest ATM. It makes no sense. Um, but they are slowly getting better. Um, we're at a point where it, I have noticed a huge change in the past uh, two years, I'd say. Yeah, Corona definitely added a lot of, I mean, the, the, I, my local... Spezi, which is like a for people down Berlin, it's like a kiosk or like a 7-Eleven, a convenience store. Yeah. Uh, they never, ever, ever take cards, like ever. And the one near me now takes cards, and I, I found that mind blowing. Um, so definitely, like a few of my bars are going to now take cards, and that was also very new. So I think because of COVID, it, it's definitely more there. I'm wondering if it goes away, like get rid of it again, because Germans, I, I'm assuming Austrians are well, like really hardcore with their. Uh, their Datenschutz, their uh, their data protection, and that's why they don't like cards. They don't caches. You can't, you know, can't trace cash. Well, also, I think uh, a contributing factor is uh, you're looking at twenty one percent VAT, right? So twenty one percent tax on top of what you're buying. So mm. with the adage of uh, credit card processing fees, you're very quickly at 24, 25%, depending on the card uh, issue or whether that's Visa or Amex, where Amex is traditionally the more expensive one. And I think uh, if that money were to be rolled or that amount were to be rolled back to the customer, the customer would probably just have a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, I think a lot of people do forget, like, in order to actually accept cards, you have to get a merchant account and you got to get the, the um, what do they call it, the, the actual terminal and, you know, there's a subscription. All this, oh, I, I, I get for a small place. Yeah. It, it can be annoying. But all, all I know is, like, a few years ago, when I went to, to Russia, to Moscow, and um, there was a guy with a hot dog cart, and he accepts cards for for a dollar hot dog. So, and I, I was like, like, how is how is Russia like twenty years ahead of Germany? Uh, because I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, Germany's supposed to be this technologically advanced advanced country, but they hate 
I think they also just like they're just bad with technological changes, but no, they're bad with any kind of change. Yeah. Germans don't like change. Yeah. They want things to stay the same. And that's and that's how it's supposed to be. But Corona, I think Corona was, was if there's one positive thing, <laughs> if there's if any positive thing from Corona is it, it forced them to do this change. Yeah. It wasn't their choice. And over a two-year period, they got used to it. And so um more and more people, I think, not only are using cards, but they they are switching to the cards with the um with the contact list. The, the, I'm, I'm using Apple Pay on my phone like a lot recently. And it's, I feel like I'm in the future. My friends back in 2013 in the States are like, yeah, man, we've been using that for years. Like, well, it's really cool to me here, okay? And, and recently, the, even the, the trams in Berlin, which like famously have only accepted coins. Only coins. Which you need, you need like eight euro worth of coins, which nobody ever had. <laughs> um, suddenly, a few months ago, uh, I, the machines I saw, they're getting replaced with uh, digital ones that accept cards and, and PayPal. And I was like, oh my God, this, this is insane. Yeah. With cash, I knew how much money I was spending all the time. Now I have no, I'm just, no, beep, beep, no, beep, with beep, cards, beep. you literally have an exact overview because you can just look at your bank account and it shows you exactly where. But I, I gotta look. Yeah, but actually it has, <laughs> has a better overview than remembering with cash. If I have cash in hand, I know how much money I'm spending and what's all going. I'm like, great, right, I spent, you know, that much money. Okay. So we, we are located, <laughs> we are located in Minnesota, right? So for instance, no tax on clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and conversely, when we go to the uh, grocery store, uh, usually we, we have tax at about 7%, depending on what we're buying. Let's just put it that way. Seven, seven and a half percent. It's about an average, right? That's yeah. Like, I think it's an average for the U.S., about seven, eight percent. Uh, yeah, something ish. like that. Depending yeah, on so, California, yeah. a little bit higher, Nevada, a little bit higher, um, What's what's the taxation perspective, the the contribution to the government, the contribution to Big Brother, if you will, that if we roll twenty one percent out in the U.S., we'd have a mutiny, regardless of what the, the funds would actually be used for. Uh, what what is the oh, perception God, yeah. like yeah, in Germany? Yeah, oh, absolutely. What's it like in um, Germany? If you go to a supermarket here, I think it's also seven percent. Um, it's only it's nineteen percent if you go to a store and you buy batteries or what have you but i'm pretty sure supermarket like food is seven percent and it's all included in the in the price so i don't even i, I don't even know i just it's with the price is 20 euros 20 euro i'm not really sure how much taxes i'm paying i know technology is always more expensive than in the states but uh yeah yeah it's things like if you, if you buy something it's 99 cents it's 99 cents you don't yeah. have to, you don't have to like think oh, okay is it going to end up being a dollar and 25 it's actually kind of easier to, to pay for things with cash. Um, I just don't think about it. And in, in terms of like income tax and everything else, like all the mass amounts of taxes that we pay here. Yeah, that's a different story. That's, um, yeah, I, I personally don't mind paying the mass amounts of taxes that we do pay here in Germany because I know I, I can see that money kind of coming back to me with the infrastructure and the, and the healthcare and, you know, um, the kindergarten and, you know, and I don't mind, you know, paying it forward. I kind of feel like that's a form of patriotism in a way in Germany is paying for those taxes. Um, so for me, it's, I really don't mind it. And, you know, I make enough money to be able to live comfortably. And I know if I lose my job that I will be getting money from the government to take care of me. I know things are really bad. I'll get housing. I know things are really bad. I'll be taken care of. And in that way, I really don't mind paying for those taxes um, I know a lot of Americans might be like head being exploding right now, but I'm happy to pay my taxes to uh, to 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 Muti to Angela. So well, only for uh, for next 25 yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> so um, can I pitch a cliffhanger to the two of you? Because Please. we've been rolling for an hour ten roughly, um, right. and I think 
cliffhanging here on the idea of taxation and what it means in Germany versus the U.S., the, the uh, unwritten social contract, if you will, I think would be an incredible conversation to continue, provided we can convince you to go on the air with us again. Oh, yeah, we're coming back. 100%. Oh, of course. I'm, I'm, having a great, I'm having a great time. Yeah, no problem. We'll, we'll, we'll be back. Ooh, the, the taxation. I love the cliffhanger. That's oh, fun. Yeah, so let's, <laughs> let's, cliff, let's cliffhang. Yeah, let's cliffhang I, I on that one. I absolutely have a rebuttal to Alex. Oh, yeah, he's, he feels totally uh, more than I, I, do, I do not agree with what he just said, so I'm totally, I have to come back just for that. So I'm a little more calm than him, you know? <laughs> uh, Jeff, Alex, round one, Teil 1. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, this was